thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. We're doing a series at the moment that's called But God and actually today is the only one which actually hasn't specifically got But God in there. But I think when you think of the words But God, in the series we're talking about the fact that to the right of those words, God changes what's to the left of those words. So last week it was, you know, you meant it for harm, but God intended it for good. Today, I want us to think in our own voices a little bit when we say, but God. And we try and change what God has said to us by saying, but God. And we want to flip what God has already said. You know, we've just sung of a God who is wonderful, a God who is amazing, and a God who actually does the impossible. And yet so often when faced with those circumstances, we hear the words in our own head, but God, I can't. But God, I can't. So this morning I want us to think about, but God, I can't, yet he can and is. And we're going to look at a little bit of uh, the Old Testament the words will be on the screen, but imagine a job application for a church minister. Imagine somebody applies for a vacancy as the church minister, and he writes this letter, to whom it may concern. I believe you have a vacancy, and I am pretty sure that I should be the actual candidate. I don't speak very well, in fact, I stutter a little, but I could bring my brother along if there's any preaching needed. Also, I'm really experienced. In fact, actually, I'm 75 years experienced, and in that living, I've picked up several skills. Okay, when things have got tough, I've run away, and actually, a while back, I murdered a bloke. I can get angry and have a little bit of a temper and would like things done my way more often than not, but I believe that's all behind me now. So I hope you'll give me the job. Any takers? No, who would give him a job? Or how about if he said, God has told me the job's mine? Some people, even in church, would go, he sounds a bit cuckoo. Even though as a church we believe God speaks. And yet if he said, God's told me this job's mine, some of us would go, and often we do. Some of us would think even worse of him in that situation or her, and we would make all the excuses under the sun to say no. Yeah? Yeah? Because we do. But what's our excuse this morning? What is our excuse? A friend of mine at school was very creative with his excuses. I can remember one time when he brought in his homework, like papier-mâché, all soggy, and the teacher said, what's happened? He said, his dad's fish had eaten it. So it wasn't the dogs eating my homework, it was my dad's fish had eaten it. It obviously hadn't, he just decided to dip it in the fish tank. There's also a very famous story around a footballer called Stephen Ireland who played for Manchester City, which was very appropriate from yesterday. But Stephen Ireland once didn't turn up for national duty and told them, or he turned up and said he needed to go home because his grandma had died. Now this hit the national news and actually his grandma was well and truly alive. And then he claimed it was his other grandma that had died and actually she had already died. And his excuses were clearly fictional. 
The truth was he just wanted a way out to be with his partner at the time for valid reasons. But instead of telling the truth, he just didn't want to turn up and be a part of something. That job application I read out, who am I talking about? Thank you, Moses. Moses was a great leader. But actually, that would be his application for the job. So if we're sitting here this morning and saying, well, actually, I can't. But God, I can't. Listen to that story of Moses and what he did. So we're going to look a little bit at but God, but it's more but Moses. And God replies, yeah, but I. But Moses. So let's look at Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start reading from verse 1. I'm going to look at some chunks through chapter 3 and chapter 4. So this morning as we go through it. Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 say this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest in Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I'm just going to stop there. Here I am. We've recently done a, ser- a series around Samuel. And we've heard those words before, haven't we? Here I am. That was a response of a servant throughout the Bible. Samuel was told to say it by Eli to God after he heard that voice calling him. He said, here I am. Here I am. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, says, here I am, send me. So Moses is called by God and hears from God and his initial response is absolutely spot on. Because his initial response to God is, here I am. Brilliant. Great start. And maybe this morning we can say, I've responded to God and yes, I am on board with Jesus. I could ask you this morning, are you on board with Jesus? Are you on board with who God is? Are you on board with a God that can change your life? And you might go, yeah, I have responded to that. I totally believe that God loves me. I totally believe that Jesus died and rose again for me. I can be on board with that. I'm willing. I want to be obedient to God. However, after that initial response... Maybe there comes a, but I, dot, dot, dot. Yes, God, I'm willing to respond to you, but I, dot, dot, dot. The initial response to come to church, great. To keep coming to church, even better. But there is so much more for us. Yeah? Exodus chapter 3 goes on, verses 5 to 6. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You're standing on holy ground. I don't know where you think holy ground is. Maybe some of you think it's Walney. Anybody? Yeah, there's a few people from Walney, that's okay. Maybe you think it's in a particular cathedral somewhere or in the Isle of Skye. A lot of people, is it Aaron that people go to for, for sort of spiritual excursions? I don't know. But actually, maybe holy ground to you is a place 
But God says to Moses, you stood on holy ground. What does that mean? It was just a patch of desert. It was just a patch of scrubland. The thing that made it holy ground was the fact that God's presence was there. Holy ground wasn't about the place. It wasn't about the sand. It wasn't about the scrubland. It's not about Wally Island. Sorry, Neil. It's about God's presence. And wherever God's presence is, God is holy. Holiness is not about a place. After this encounter with God, that bit of desert just goes back to being a bit of desert. On a Sunday morning in this room, you might think, oh, I come here because it's holy ground. You wouldn't think that Tuesday, Thursday last week when there were kids running around with sausage rolls mashed into the carpet. You know, or kids licking the windows. I have threatened to put window lean on there, but I don't know what damage it'll do. But, yeah, you wouldn't think that. But actually, this place isn't holy ground. The presence of God is. But we believe as a church, it's a place that's special. And actually, as you walk in this building, those of you who've been coming for a long time will know, underneath this carpet is written the prayers of God's people. So as you come into this place, you stood on the prayers of God's people. As you walk through that door, underneath your feet, it says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. All around this building, there are the prayers of people written on the floorboards underneath your feet. But that doesn't make it holy ground. It's God's presence in God's people and God's presence around us that makes it holy. The bush is just another bush. But the thing about the bush is it doesn't burn out. It doesn't need any fuel and it doesn't fear burning out. So as we see that, we're reminded of God's holiness and God's enoughness. This tells me that God is enough. He doesn't burn out. He doesn't need fuel. He's self-sustaining, but he can sustain us. He is enough. He is more than enough. He is sufficient. We're reminded of his glory. We're reminded of the fact that he's calling, not just Moses. God is calling you this morning. And he's saying, come to me. Run to me. Cast your cares onto me. I love you. I just want you to run into my arms. And so often we make excuses. You know, we're reminded in this incident of the fact that God is noticeable even in the deserts of life. Are you in a desert of life at the moment? God can be still noticeable. Moses was sheep farming. And his initial response of, here I am, I'm willing, turns into what? Fear. He suddenly realizes This is God. This is God calling me. He realizes his initial response becomes one of fear, of shame, and of a recognition that although God is enough, he perhaps isn't. But God, I'm not enough. Is that our response this morning? But God, I'm not enough. But God, I'm not enough. Let's read on. Just going to read two verses in isolation. Exodus 3, verses 7 and verse 11 says this. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Verse 11, but Moses. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am, but Moses says, who am I? Who am I? I'm not important. I'm just a bloke who murdered somebody a while back and ran away and I've been farming sheep for this long and I'm quite happy, thank you very much, and I'm a bit shameful and I thought that was behind me and I'm an old man, I can't possibly do it, but who am I? Moses is a man of many buts, not because he had some strange bodily features. 
But here's the first one. Moses says, but Moses says, who am I? Do we ever say those words about ourselves? Yeah? Who am I to go and talk to that person? Who am I to go and show God's love to them? Who am I to think that I could volunteer for the words and the tech team? Who am I? You know, Ibukin, it's hard work up there, isn't it? You've done the make. Ibukin rides his bike down most Sundays and does that job for us. And actually, that's amazing. And he, you know, he's at the back, nobody sees him, but he was willing to do it. He didn't say, but Paul, who am I? Who am I to go and sit on that balcony? I might make mistakes, and when I make mistakes, everybody will go, oh, you're, everyone turn around, oh, you know. We all make mistakes. Every single one of the musicians make mistakes. I make mistakes. We get our words wrong. Sometimes we put the chairs out wrong. <laughs> you know, if we mess with Peter Docker's cup array in the, in the foyer, we get into trouble. That's right, isn't it, Pete? Don't move his cups. Oh, <laughs> be in trouble. Do we ever say those words, who am I to try and step up and serve? Who am I to think that God can use me? Do you not know who I am? Do you not know what I've done? Who am I to go and encourage that new person in church? Joe, you know what's God's response to Moses? It doesn't say, but God. It says, and God. But I want to say that in opposition to the but Moses, we can say, but God. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12, God's response is this. But God said, I will be with you. That's the answer. God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on the mountain. Who am I? That doesn't matter. What, do, what matters is not who you are, but we'll come back to that in a moment. And God makes a promise. He says, you'll be back here completing what I've asked you to do and worshipping. God's promise is, if I've asked you to do it, it will happen. If I've asked you to get involved, you'll be okay. If I've asked you to step up and serve, don't worry about it. You'll learn. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 14 goes on to say this. And Moses said to God, suppose I say to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. But Moses, again, but Moses says, I don't really know enough. I don't even know your name, God. I don't, I've not got enough background. I've not got enough knowledge. I've not got enough of the, the things I need to be able to speak to people. God's asking him to go to God's people here. This isn't going to total strangers. This is going to the people who already believe God. But Moses said, but I don't know enough. Yes, you're the God of my family and I know you, but I don't even have knowledge of your name. I don't, I don't know enough to be able to persuade people. I want to point something out here as I read this. How does God respond to Moses? He tells him his name and he says this. I am who I, I am. Who I am. What did Moses ask him first? But Moses said, who am I? I. What's God's response? God's response is to turn it backwards on its head, to flip it back. He says, I am who. So when we say, who am I? God says, no, 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 not who am I. I am who. God is who we need. It's God in us that we need. God's name is the opposite of that but Moses. 
God's very name is, I am the past, the present, and the future, and I will be with you. So don't say, who am I? Look to the I am who, because he will make the difference. God turns this situation around. You know, when I was at school, my dad ran a business selling uh, kitchens and central heating, and he, he advertised, if any of you from the Manchester area and ever listened to Piccadilly Radio, or Q103 as it became, um, he had a catchphrase, and it was, at the end of every advert, it was his voice, he did the speaking on it, saving money, like my dad. He even did a TV advert once, it was just him sat behind a desk, it was like ultimate cringe. <laughs> and his catchphrase was this, any day but Sunday. Because he didn't open on a Sunday, any day but Sunday. And so he was advertising regularly on the local radio station. He made promises that he wouldn't be beaten on price. Do you remember these, Alan? You might not have been in Manchester in those days. I, he made promises. He made two promises on the radio on an advert. The first one was, if you can find it cheaper anywhere else, I will sell pound notes. They had pound notes, guys. Okay. I'll sell pound notes for 50p in Piccadilly Gardens. That was his promise on his advert blasted across the whole of Manchester and the Northwest. Did he ever sell a single pound note for 50p? No, because he wasn't beaten on price. He kept his promise any day but Sunday. The other one he made was he said, I will give you a chauffeur-driven Rolls-Royce for a week. Did anyone ever get driven around in a Rolls-Royce? No, because his promise was, you won't find it cheaper. You won't find it cheaper. Because he was as good as his word... And because of that publicity, everyone knew who I was at school and who my dad was. Even my maths teacher used to say, get the homework done over the weekend. Oh, but you, any day but Sunday. <laughs> I would sit there going, shut up. <laughs> who am I? Well, I'm George Harrison's son. I used to come to Barrow and see my friend Riggy, your dad actually, when we were little. Well, little, 14, 15. I can remember stood on the stairs, I think, at the old Victoria Hall, and my dad must have been speaking, and this, this young lad, sort of me, were hanging out on the stairs, and he said, who's your dad then? I said, George Harrison. He said, what, the Beatles? I'm like, yeah. So for a long time, <laughs> for a long time, he believed, they'll be watching in Canada, hi, Riggy. He believed that my dad was one of the Beatles. But you know what? My dad was noticed more than me. And that's a good thing, isn't it, in the terms of God's kingdom? Because we want him to be noticed more than us. Because he wants to use us for his glory. He wants to use us. Instead of saying, but God, I can't, we can say, but God, I know you can. And I know you are. And I know you will. Let's carry on reading. Exodus chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. The elders of Israel will listen to you. This is God speaking to Moses. Then you and the elders will go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But, this is a book, God. But I know, says God, that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I'll perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. So here's a book, God, in the middle of this. But God says, I know it's not going to be easy. I know it's not just going to happen like that. It's going to take some persuading. But actually, do you know what? It's not going to be your words. It's not going to be your cleverness. It's not going to be your skills. It's going to take a mighty hand. 
It's going to take a mighty hand. We often sing, don't we? Give thanks to the Lord our God and King. His love endures forever. With an outstretched arm and a mighty hand, his love endures forever. God knew it wasn't going to be easy, even with his mighty hand. Pharaoh will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. You know, I could never, ever stand in the playground, sorry, Dad, and say, my dad's bigger than your dad, because he wasn't. He was great at selling kitchens and bathrooms. I don't think he'd be much good in a fight. Neither would I be. But God's promise is that the Israelites will listen to you and that Pharaoh will let the people go eventually. But it won't be because of you, Moses. It will be because of me, because I am. 2 Chronicles chapter 6 in the message version, verses 32 and 33 say this. God, the people are speaking to God in a prayer and they say this. Don't forget the foreigner who is not a member of your people Israel but has come from a far country because of your reputation. People are going to be attracted here by your great reputation, God. Your wonder-working power. In the, in the NIV it says mighty hand. And who come to pray to this temple. Listen from your home in heaven and honour the prayers of the foreigner so that people all over the world will know who you are and what you're like, God. And live in reverent obedience before you just as your own people, Israel, do. So they'll know that you personally make the temple that I've built what it is. Why will people come to the temple? Because of God's great reputation and his wonder-working power. And those outside of God's family even will worship in reverent obedience. There's a promise. How exciting is that? Those outside of God's people will come and worship in reverent obedience. Why? Because of God's mighty hand and because of his reputation. The next book, Moses, says this, Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. But Moses answered, what if they do not believe me? He's still going on, isn't he? Still making the excuses. What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? What if they, but, but, but God, what if they won't listen? What if they don't believe? Do you know, God has already told Moses that they will. He's already said that they will. He's already said it will happen. So he proceeds to say, what's in your hand? What was in Moses' hand? A stick. Chloe's got a dog. She often, this dog, not Chloe, goes around chewing on sticks. It's just a stick. God says to Moses, right, okay, next excuse, what's in your hand? A stick. Well, I'm going to use even that simple stick to show my mighty hand. Then he says to him, put your hand in your cloak. And he uses actually Moses' hand and turns it leprous and then pulls it back again. God says, it's not just what's in your hand, I want to use your hands. What is Moses asked to do? Give what's in his hands. What have we as a church kept coming back to? Paul Harding, first of all, came to it, I think, in a leadership meeting many years ago. He said, I think God's saying, we've just got to bring what's in our hands. That's why we're stood in this building. Because God can use even the smallest and even the simplest, even a stick. Yet Moses still says, but God... But God says, I could use a stick. But God, what's our excuse this morning? So many excuses, even though he is constantly hearing what God is saying. The penultimate book, Moses, says this. Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. 
I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. (laughs) The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who gave you your mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight? Is it not I? Now go, I will speak. If I will help you speak, I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, I can't talk proper. That was the Mancunian version. Do you know, over the years, I've hopefully listened to constructive criticism. And when I speak on a Sunday morning, I hope that it's become clearer. But here's a few of the things I used to face. The early days of speaking in church, someone came up to me and felt it was okay to say, you talk too fast. That's encouraging. Somebody else comes and says, oh, you mumble. My daughter constantly tells me I mumble. Can I just say, if I ever mumble anything here, it's usually because it's a little joke that doesn't matter and it's just come into my head. So it's not important. But I think it's funny, so it entertains me. So there you go. You mumble and you're not clear. Do you know, I'm still not perfect. One person used to come to me every single week and picked on one point I'd made and tried to explain where I was wrong or how much more they knew than me about it. That's encouraging. I made a joke once about Christmas carols being nonsense and I was confronted with why I saw three ships come sailing in was perfectly theological. I still don't understand how I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. He's got to really connect us with God. But anyway, do you know, in those moments, what could my reaction have been? I could have packed up and gone home. I could have said, okay, speaking obviously isn't for me. I talk too quick. I mumble. I don't get it right. I'm not as good as that person. I've not got as much knowledge. And actually, I still think Christmas carols are nonsense. Anyone say amen? Amen. Silent night, Paul. You're not going to have many of those. Anyway. (laughs) Chloe's got a dog. She's struggling for silent nights at the minute. But anyway. I could have packed up and decided, no. I could have said, but God, Johnny can't do this. But God had much different plans. You might be thankful, you might be going, oh, flipping it, God, why? Or you might say, yeah. The final book, Moses, says this. Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. And here he gets to the real point. Please send someone else. But but Moses said, not me, I'm out. Please send someone else. Ultimately, Moses' excuses boils down to this truth, I think. I don't want to do it. And I would challenge us in this room today that actually when we're invited and we're asked to serve or we're asked to connect with God... We might make simple excuses. We might say, but I've not got time. I've got children. When my children are older and they've left home, I'll have more time. When I've done this, when I've actually know a bit more. But ultimately, it really boils down to this one answer. I don't want to. No, thank you. Finally, he says, I think Moses' excuses were made in the hope that God would go away and stop asking. But God doesn't. When God knows that you are capable because he knows you inside and out, he will not stop asking. When God knows you need Jesus, he will not stop telling you. When God knows you need to get yourself along to church more regularly, he will not stop chasing you. 
We can make all the excuses under the sun, but ultimately God knows that our attitude really sometimes is, I don't want to do it. The passage finishes with this, Exodus chapter 4, verses 14 to 17. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this stuff in your hands so you can perform the signs with it. You know, even in his anger, God still longs to use Moses. Even when God says, you're doing my head in, Moses. Johnny, you're doing my head in. God says, I'm still going to use you because I love you. And I know actually you're the only you you can be. You're the only person, Johnny, who can be Johnny Harrison. You're the only person, Gaz, who can be Gaz Moses. You're the only person who's got that ability to connect with certain people. There are people in this room who can connect with people that I can't connect with. There are people in this room who've got lived experiences that can speak to other people far more than I can. But God says, will you be prepared not just to say, here I am, but yes, I'll keep turning up. Yes, I'll keep going for you. Yes, I'll keep looking towards you. You know, even in his anger, God still wants to use Moses. So you can't even use that as an excuse that God's angry with me. God never turns away and says, okay, it's your loss. He says, come on, come on. God will keep giving opportunities to us and longs to use us in his mission. Before we go away this morning thinking Moses and his butts, what a wally, let's look at ourselves. How are we different? God is calling, first of all this morning, to each of us to say, what's your initial response to me? Are you willing to say, here I am? But then God will start to be more specific once you've responded. The same God that spoke to Moses speaks to us right now. And I believe he's calling each one of us to be more involved. He's calling each one of us to step up in some way, shape or form. I shared a picture on Facebook this week that um, Ibuka will put on the screen, hopefully, as I've been preparing for today. And I thought, wow, that pretty much sums up this morning's message. It says this, if you can't read it, a disciple is someone who has moved from being recipient of the church mission to being responsible for the church's mission. You've moved from being the recipient to being responsible. Wow. Just let that sink in. If all we're doing is coming each Sunday, then we're just being recipients. We're just being recipients. But God is saying right now, I want to use you. I long to use you for my glory. Unfortunately, we respond like Moses with, but I, but I. Maybe today God is stirring you to receive Jesus for yourself to start your journey of faith. Maybe it's been stirring a lot over the years. Maybe your response has been, but I don't understand it all. But it might affect my life, and, but I might get laughed at. Maybe this morning you've already had that initial response and, and recognised that God is saying it's time to go deeper. But when he says go deeper, you might respond with, but I am so busy, but I have children but I don't want to get hurt, but I might need to sort some things out first, but I don't think I could do it. But God says, I am who? But God says, it's my mighty hand. But God says, I am enough, and I will help you. 
Moses' problem and maybe ours today is that we look at the impossible mission in front of us and instead of the God who is able to do more than we could ask or imagine, we choose to make our excuses. The truth is that our excuses come from assuming that God's mission is ours to fulfill and to carry out. In reality, it never has been and never will be because God is the one who accomplished his own mission and we're merely here to bring what we have for him to use. Today, it's time to stop making excuses. It's time to stop saying, but I can't, but God, I don't, but God, I won't, but God, I shan't. It's time to say, stop making excuses for all the ways we can't and start walking forward so that God can show you all the ways he can. Stop saying, I can't and look at his can and he will do with his mighty hand the hard work. He will be the one that achieves and he will be the one that gets the glory. Let's pray. In a moment, as the worship team bring our service to a close, there'll be an opportunity for the prayer team to be at the back and pray. It's quite close to the end, so the children will come down. So I'm going to suggest maybe that the prayer team stand in that corner around the, the table over there rather than in the foyer. I know it's hard. But if you want prayer this morning, maybe you feel God is stirring something in you, whether it's to say yes for the first time, maybe it's to say, God, okay, I'm willing to listen. God, I'm willing to say, here I am. This morning, just go and receive prayer. Go and just say, can I be prayed with? And our prayer team will pray for you, encourage you. And maybe as we go for this place this morning, we'll stop saying, but God, I can't. And we'll recognise that God is a God who can. Father God, I pray for this time. I pray, Lord, your words will stir and challenge and change. And I pray, Lord, we will stop with the excuses. And if our answer is to the point, I don't want to, then, Father God, let us just come to that. But, Father, I pray that you will continue to stir what it is in our hearts that you want us to do so that we will serve you and give you the glory. Amen.